0: Welcome back to episode eight of CandyCast. I'm super excited for this episode because I have two of my friends on this podcast and also candy boxers. We have the brand manager, Mafuz, and we have our YouTube expert slash audio technician, Tim, aka Omito Beats. So Vanessa, I really love this episode because they talked about three things that really stuck with me and had me at the edge of my seat. They talked about Tim's music career slash YouTube career. And it was really interesting to see The amount of work and time he's put into that they also talked about patience and how it's a long-term game and really helped me understand and really think about my future and what I want to do and it really shows that having patience is such a good trait to have.
1: It's so true. Um, Another key point that they talked about
0: was long-term growth mindset. And I love how they discuss this. It really opens your
1: mind on the opportunities that can come to you when you change your mindset.
0: I'm so excited for this episode for everyone listening. So
2: grab your favorite candy, sit back and enjoy. Mr. Tim Izzard this is an exciting day, man. I feel like I haven't seen you forever since everything that's happening out there with the Mad World. Ages, man. I feel like I haven't gone outside in a long, long time. It's it's an honor to have you back at the studio. You have been so involved in the journey and the life, the lifetime of everything that Candy Box has done. I mean, I can count it on. I can count just a bunch of scenarios like you've been on. My own private podcast show, The Ride With Me, You Blessed, episode 100. You were also on an Instagram live session with me when I did the series during quarantine. You were on the Candy Box sessions that you came in and did with one of our team members. And here you are again being with Candy Cast. And it is incredible how much you've been part of the journey with Candybox and how how much you're part of the family. Like you're on our team page. This is kind of a big deal.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, It's ever since uh, that first internship, right? I don't even know what year that was, like
2: 2016, I want to say. I'll tell you this. I was spending some time this morning going through my Instagram trying to figure out when we met because I wanted to make sure I said that in today's episode and I think the closest I got to was 2016, but I couldn't quite figure it out. So four years, you've been involved with Candy Box, And although you're not here every day seeing the growth of it, you've definitely from the inside and kind of on the outside, seen the growth of the company. What have you noticed happening with our agency in the last four years?
1: Uh, a lot of like creative stuff. Like like you said, there's been so many of these like kind of side projects that, that show our personality as a brand. That's, uh, it's really exciting to be a part of, right? And I feel like every few years, you know, we bring in a uh, new studio, like new studio spaces, new members, uh, just have a whole lot of fun and, and try and push the boundaries with, you know, new stuff. It's That's why it's awesome to be like connected with you guys because it's just, I don't know, the possibilities are, are endless, right? Like always trying new stuff. It's, it's awesome.
2: It's really exciting when we even think about, like a year ago, we barely started doing video production and we definitely didn't have a podcast. We barely had the branding offering. So like our umbrella has grown so much, but one of my favorite things that we've included this year that you're heavily involved with is when we sat down and we said, Tim, we need to come up with the sound of Candy Cast or sound of Candy Box, which actually, for those of you that listen to the intro of this podcast, that was produced by Tim. You know, I don't think people... Is there an episode that actually says, like, shout out to Tim for giving us this beat? Because he produced it from scratch for our podcast show. And that is incredible. And I, I take so much pride in saying that we didn't just go out there and look for something that we could purchase that goes well with our podcast. You literally sat down and thought about what is the sound of Candy Box. What what goes to your mind when you're trying to develop a sound of something?
1: Uh, I mean, it's, it's always so tough to describe music because, like, I mean, I could you know tell you oh I use these chords and, and these sounds but it it's a lot of people that wouldn't even make sense so uh for me you know having been a part of this you know team this family for four years I, I definitely know a lot of the vision and uh you know the the personality that you guys have so it was kind of easy for me to uh you know transcribe that <laughs> into a beat uh but the the way I, I kind of made it was just you know I, I picture like like I was mentioning you know the creativeness the you know, the pushing the boundaries, being the, the leader in, in marketing, and that's kind of what I wanted to capture
2: with a, with an audio file. I love it. And when we first got to know you, I've really became a a diehard fan of Amido Beats. You know, right now I'm rocking an Amido Beats black hoodie. You know, I bought it from the merch store on his website. One of the first ever. One of the first ever that came out, man. It's an honor. Like it was an honor to for to take a photo with this and saying, I'm such a fan of you. It's kind of like I I love wearing Toronto Raptors merch, you know, because when I wear it, I feel like I'm really supporting the guys I love. And with, with Amido Beats, I feel the same way where I'm like every time I put on your merch and every time I'm playing your music through my Spotify, you know, I'm definitely probably one of your top listeners on Spotify because I listen to your beats everywhere I go. Like when it, it's just always in the background when I'm driving and it's amazing. But The reason I don't, the reason I I wear your merch, and I listen to your music, and I'm always giving you shout outs and such a big fan of you, it doesn't end with your talent around music. I think you're incredible at making music. I think you're one of the best out there in in music uh, producing. But at the same time, what I love is that you are truly a businessman and a marketer. Like you have so much more out there that if I just introduced you as a video producer, or a music producer, I'm not doing you justice. I'm actually discrediting you because you do so much more. Um, You know, I think back, you mentioned the internship way back, and it's a funny story, but there's a point at the end of this tunnel, which is we were in a very tiny studio four years ago. We only had one room and a very tiny boardroom. So if someone came in for an interview, they literally had to sit down on a waiting chair right in front of the team working. So it's almost strange, but also kind of cool at the same time. We had, I think, about five interviews that day for a position that we were trying to fill at Candy Box. You were one of them. And you came in super early, (laughs) as you should, you know? As you should, but you came in super early. Like, you know, I tell people like, hey, if you're coming for an interview, try to be 10 to 15 minutes early to make a good impression because there's a rule out there that if you're on time, you're technically late. But you took that rule a little bit too seriously. You were there eighteen hours ago, Dovkid. No, it definitely felt like twenty minutes or thirty minutes. But you're right. It was the environment of the fact that you were sitting there, not saying a word to everybody that's sitting like right beside you with headphones on, and all of us, all of us, kind of felt like maybe we shouldn't have a conversation with this guy staring at us the whole time. But then you went in, and then then you came out a few minutes later. You finished your interview with Daryl, and then you left. Then about four other people came in throughout the day and every one of them had a different tactic. Someone came in and memorized Daryl's coffee order and they knew, they made it and brought it, which is which is a little bit creepy and, and bribery, which makes it extra hard. I didn't bribe anyone. I just showed up and
1: was like,
2: here I am. There you go. And then there was another one that did the research and looked up everyone's favorite candy on the website and showed up with everyone's favorite candy. I'm not complaining. I got me a free arrow bar and shout out to that person that didn't end up getting the job. However, you came in and you didn't have any tactics. You sat down and you did something that the others were unable to do, which is why it landed you the position at Candy Box, which is you came in and said, let me show you real metrics. Yeah. You opened up your account and you're like, here's the back end. And it actually reminded me in many ways of when I first interviewed with Daryl, I showed him metrics of things that I did with Project Reinvention. And you did the same when you're like, I know so much about marketing that even before i came into this interview i've already built a career in selling beats and to me it opened my eyes to something which is you are actually so much more beyond the metrics that people are focusing on the vanity metrics the followers the likes the comments you're focusing on completely different metrics that other people aren't and i i feel like more people need to be aware of this your way of thinking about what are real metrics that matter to you are very different how would you describe that what is the most important metrics in the back end that makes you realize whether or not you had a good year or a bad year
1: yeah um i mean like you said like anyone can look at followers and engagement and stuff and i've been guilty of that too like getting caught up on the the numbers of things and like oh if this post didn't get as many likes then you know feeling like a failure but i'm kind of shifting my focus to you know, more, more content stuff. Like how did I put out, you know, more content? Does my content look better? Do I feel better about the content too? Cause sometimes, you know, I can make content and if I don't feel good about it, then it's, it's not great. So I, I keep striving towards content that I feel really good about. So the overall metrics I'd say would, is just kind of comparing it to, to my past self, right? Like, uh, going back to the, the interview, I remember part of the the requirements of it like you were having like your cover letter and a resume but you also had to like make a a blog right and i remember making blogs in the past on like blogger and blogspot and all these like kind of you know cheap easy websites but instead for the interview at candy box i made a wordpress website like i had like a domain name and i made a wordpress website using a theme and i customized it. And so it was like that, like just, you know, even if I didn't get the, uh, the internship here at Candy Box, it was like a huge improvement of my past self, right? And I was just, I was eager to, to learn more about like marketing and, and what can
2: I do to push those boundaries. I mean, your, your approach is really powerful because by the time we met each other, it's not like you were just starting off. You know, you and I, you and I became friends because we, we saw a commonality, which was the ambition. And the drive and the fact that we already came in with results, you know, I can't take any credit at all for your success. Because when we got together, you've already achieved big numbers. And I was doing the same with Project Reinvention and I had big numbers. So we kind of came together and said, yo, like we're in different industries, but we come from the same mindset of growth and what matters there. And since then, you know, you've know, built yourself a career under your own branding, which is the other thing I have to give you credit for. Incredible approach to your branding of omido Beats that w- I want to talk about today. Um, you have built yourself a six-figure a year business and you're doing very well with that. You're very talented in the world of customer service and how you take care of the people and I want to talk about that. And recently, we just found out finally that YouTube's gonna be shipping over the, the, the gorgeous plaque for a 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. Can I, yo, from the studio, can we, can we give him an applause for 100K? I mean, this is no joke. This is This is a big deal. And I think about marketers that are trying to get into the world of vlogging, trying to grow their business, trying to build a personal brand, and they're starting their YouTube accounts and they're just not sure how to grow it. They're putting out videos, they're putting out content. They literally don't know what to do to not only get to that 100K, but also generate income in the way that you're doing it. What would you do if you were, let's say, consulting some of these marketers and helping them out with whatever initiative that they have that may not be music?
1: Yeah, no, it's kind of interesting that you you mentioned that because uh, this kind of side project that I'm working on right now, and I've been kind of, it's been in the works for a while, but I've started like a second YouTube channel. Now, I, I don't know if you've seen, I haven't posted about it a whole lot, but it's basically, it's, uh, I'll show it Omido Beats 2 is the name if anyone wants to look it out. It's basically, You know, my main channel is where I post my music. The second channel is more of a vlogger style approach where I'm posting videos of me in the studio. And I I just, I mean, I started the YouTube channel about a year ago, but I didn't really start posting on it until beginning of the summer. So like June, I almost have a thousand subscribers on this channel and I pretty much had nothing, you know, a few months ago. Um, So, you know, for me, I guess the, the success that I've seen in only a, a few months has been from giving value to people, right? Like some of my videos that have already gotten, you know, a couple thousand views in a few months when I haven't really posted about it anywhere else have legit been from posting helpful content like tutorials, people want answers, people want advice, you know, how to sell beats. I made a whole video on all the different streams of income I have. So, I mean, to anyone starting out, I think it's easier to get tracked uh, easier to get like traffic and, and traction if you're putting out content that people are searching for, you know, like some youtubers and, and vloggers that I follow like uh, They've they're at a point where they've been doing this for 10 years And now if they post like a video just like them, you know, hanging out go to a restaurant a theme park whatever people will watch it, but they went in 10 years of work of giving people like, you know, value like PewDiePie, for example. He posts videos of him like just reviewing memes or whatever, just random stuff. But for a long time, he posted videos of himself playing video games that people were looking for. So anyone starting out, I would say, make sure you're putting out content that's gonna be helpful to people. You know, people are gonna search for Cause if you're just posting like a day in my life video, you might not get a lot of people searching that, right? But if you're posting like marketing tips
2: online, people are going to look for that. Yeah, I, I think a day in the life is almost like only credible when you get to a point in your career where people actually care about what you yeah. do day to day you know but a lot of people come in swinging with their first video being a day in the life and i and i'm thinking like who cares yes, I, don't know you. I don't know you why do i care that you wake up first thing in the morning on the left side of the bed and you yeah. put on your socks before you should you know like why do we care about that stuff none of that stuff is relevant but at the same time the the value that you offer the market you know i like pewdiepie as an example because he, he has adapted over the years where he's always thinking about how to put out the next thing that may not be the same thing from the last thing. Yeah. He started off with video games, you're right, and it's at some point he was like, I'm just gonna show the day-to-day life or the vlog- I'm gonna vlog with my girlfriend and they do silly things like, hey, let's, let's carve a pumpkin together because it's Halloween. You know, like They'll figure out what to do at the right time and all they're really doing is trying to set themselves up to have one video take off. And if one video takes off, then they can do that over and over again. So all they're doing is producing content, trying to figure out the best way. You've had many instances where a lot of your music or a lot of your videos have really done well. Yeah. Um. I mean, your average metrics, I mean, you definitely have a bunch that surpassed a million. Yeah. Um. What do, what do you find is the difference between your content that is going viral and not? What do you find to be the key elements and the differentiators? Uh,
1: I don't know. It's, I mean, going quote unquote viral, it's kind of a... Uh something that sometimes you don't even know until it happens, right? Like I have beats that have like, you know, hundreds of thousands of views that I personally didn't think were my best ones, right? But I think it's just the, you know, you just have to keep posting content because it could be the next one that that you post is going to be the one that takes off, right? And that's it, right? So if, if you're worried about like, you know, uh, oh, why haven't my videos gone viral yet? Or, or why haven't I got all these crazy views yet? Well, maybe the next one that you're going to do, right? And that's something I know that you and I talk about that it's always, it could be that next one that could take off. And, and another point I want to mention too is that, like you said, you know, PewDiePie kind of shifting content can, uh, or, or trying different things can have good results, right? On my, on the second YouTube channel that I had, I had a couple of, like vlogs where it was like a day in the life. And you know they they wouldn't get like any views, so I was kind of getting discouraged there. But I started uh, experimenting with some like kind of rock music, and it's something that like I wow. you know don't really get into often. Yeah. But it was just some like this weird idea that I had, that, like, and that's like drive, yeah. Really and it's fun. like it's driving like the second channel. I haven't posted it in a few weeks now, and I'm still getting like thirty like subscribers a day on it. Right, it's mm-hmm. just starting, and it's also led to sales too. Just people like hey I. I want to, you know, make a rock song and I found your video and I started as a hip hop, you know, producer. Right. So me, you know, trying all these different uh, areas and and all this different stuff and just keep on trying. Like, I think it's it's two things. It's doing different things and doing different things often. And, you know, that that recipe there is is going to lead
2: to success. And doing it, yeah, doing it often long period of time. And as you said, like one item needs to take off, and that's all it needs to take. That all that's all that needs to happen. You know, I actually push myself to not get emotionally attached to something that I put out there because I find like I get the opposite reaction when I get excited about something I'm putting out there, and I'm thinking in my head like, man, this is gonna kill it. Like my career is gonna be made from this moment. And I remember one of them was like uh, many years ago. I was invited to. Uh, be on a, on a panel of a live TV show, and it was on a big network, and I was very excited and nervous, but I, I kept thinking to myself, like, this is gonna be the thing that skyrockets my career, and it did nothing for me. I, I got a lot of people that watched it that day, I got a lot of great feedback, I use it for my highlight reel, and it did nothing. And then I have scenarios where like I don't think anything of it, I roll over my bed and I write a blog article and throw it up there and call it a day, yeah. and that explodes. <laughs> Right? Like you, you're right when you say it. And I'm, I'm glad you corrected me there. Because even as I was saying it, I was like, I don't agree with that idea, which is, you can't plan the viral, you have to keep trying things. And along the way, the timing matches, if the timing matches up with the content, I think it goes a long way. I also think it's worth thinking about your audience as um, how do you feed the selfish? And you know, this is kind of a, a mindset that I've been thinking about a lot, which is, I think we're all selfish with who we follow, yeah. right? Because we're always following people based on what, what, a reason that matters to us. Maybe, we're, maybe we love their music. Maybe we get valuable insights from them. Maybe we are just like, really interested in their life and we want to like, look at what they're doing day to day to get inspired for our own life. But no matter what it is, there's something in the root reason for why we follow people. So we're doing it for our own selfish reasons. So if you think about all your followers are following you for their selfish reasons, are you feeding the selfish? Yeah. Are you creating content thinking like this is what they want? And this goes in with your day in the life where if you post a day in the life, maybe that wasn't what was going to feed the selfish. Maybe they just wanted music production tips. Maybe they just want to hear a hot beat. Maybe they're just a fan of you. Maybe your beard game wasn't on point that day, right? Yeah.
1: Who knows? Probably it, man. That's probably it. But no, I feel you, man. Like I had a, a period last year. I remember the last quarter of the year where I I I truly neglected like social media I wasn't posting a lot instead I was working on this like big business plan and I was like it was like this subscription program which it totally failed man it's just like but like I was doing all the math and I was like yo if this works out I'm gonna make like 200k in a month and it's gonna be like crazy and I'm gonna like cash out and it like totally flopped and it was like hard like mentally to think that like that was like the next thing and then, you know, since then I've been like, okay, I'm not, you know, going to get caught up in all these things because I don't want to be like let down again. Right. Kind of. But right, right. so instead I, I just, I honestly, I take it like day by day and I just make sure that whatever I'm doing that day, like I can put out the best content I can that day. I can make the best beat ever that day. And then, uh, you know, six months, a year from now, if I'm seeing progress that, that, you know, it would mean it was working right. Like at the beginning of, when everything got shut down back in late March, early April, I didn't want to, you know, focus on all these big sale things because I, I didn't, like obviously I didn't know if people were going to be buying, you know, beats and, and music then. I didn't know what was going to happen. So instead I just focused on on content, like being the best I can every day and like whatever the the months have gone by, six months, it's been it's been like my best six months ever man like mentally you know engagement wise sales wise it's everything is has
2: been so good these past six months so good man i'm really happy to hear that and it sounds to me like you went back to the basics like you knew what was working for you and you're like maybe i'm getting too fancy maybe i gotta take a step back and do it the way that was generating revenue for me the first time so so this is also a good topic i want to dive into which is you just said you had a project that failed right so I think of it in a very strange way as like a relationship that didn't work out and you got hurt. And because of that, you decided to not just get into another relationship. You're a little bit more hesitant to start a new project. So if I think about it from that perspective, like you had, first of all, I'm curious of like why it didn't work? Like what happened with that project that you think was the reason why it didn't work? And then number two, what was the biggest learning that you took out of that that you applied back to your business that's giving you these best six months right now?
1: Yeah, definitely. So this this project was basically I was making like, I, I I still think it sounds good in theory, but it was basically like kind of like a, a Spotify, but for beats. So it was going to be like you pay monthly or yearly and you get access to like all of my stuff, all of my music that you can use, whatever. And it was like, I don't know, the, the math checked out right <laughs> based on all my calculations. But I think, I don't know, I think my my followers didn't want this big huge thing that they had to commit to you know they just want something to to vibe to every day and you know i spent three months working on this project and i was so you know focused on it and i neglected you know posting beats on youtube like every day every other day posting content on my instagram and uh was like three months you know leading up to this launch this launch happened and eventually you know it, it sucked because i guess it just didn't work out with you know my customers and my followers Uh, so at that point I, I definitely took a step back and I was like, okay, that didn't work. I can't have a repeat of these next three months, like, you know, uh, sales wise, engagement wise, and just, you know, stress wise. So that's literally, I I just took a step back and I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna do something that, you know, keeps me busy on a day-to-day basis. But, uh, there's not so much pressure on, on myself to, you know, do this big thing. I don't know if that answers your question i kind
2: of Uh, (laughs) rambled on there it it absolutely does and it's it's also interesting to think about the perspective of just because one project failed doesn't mean you failed right because you've been doing so well with your career since i've known you how long has the omidu beats thing been going on it
1: has been i started my youtube channel i guess ten and a half years ago and i had a separate one for like a, a year before that um so yeah, I've I've been selling beats literally like a decade now, over a decade. That's,
2: that's incredible. And like kudos to you, man. More than a decade of doing a consistent business model that's really paying off now, which is a big attestment to the long term work that you put in, which I think is very important. But what what's interesting to me is that in those ten years you're trying side projects. Yeah. You know, see our CEO at Candy Box Daryl always has this one rule that he reminds me of, which he says, for every new project, for every new campaign, for every new design, try something that you've never tried before. Test yourself and it keeps you on your toes. It makes you flex it a little bit more on the creativity side and sometimes it won't work. And if it doesn't, that's okay. Go back to what's working and then once in a while, come back in, test the waters again, and see if there's something new that can take off. So it's always interesting that you can put a bunch of projects out there and see what explodes and based on that make decision. Um, another thing that you've been heavily involved with Tim is collaborations. Yeah. You know, um, during the last few months, you've collaborated with a series of all-star DJs and music uh, music producers, and you guys put together a kit that you were selling to raise, raise some funds. And um, I thought it was an incredible initiative on top of the fact that you guys are getting together and creating a really valued packed item. So talk a little bit from a marketer that maybe doesn't care as much about the music, but talk a little bit about the importance of the collaboration and the value package that you put together and how that helped
1: yeah i mean collaboration is is uh definitely like so important i mean people always say in the music industry like it's it's who you know uh it doesn't always have to be like that you know serious but just being open to collaborating with people like you can bounce off a lot of good ideas and you can get you know ideas for for other like to help you move forward just by talking to other people right like i remember years ago like you were doing a podcast and i started a podcast too and that was kind of my first time like getting comfortable in front of a camera in front of a microphone and you know that initial like thing i stopped my podcast after a few months but that initial like collaboration and bouncing ideas back and forth it it taught me
2: so much oh yeah you and me were discovering things together we were like the best rookie class of all time in the world of podcasting that year, man. We came in big. I, I thought that was actually a really cool collaboration.
1: Well, you were doing like three episodes a week. I remember that grind was crazy. I was doing an episode uh, a week. I think I did like six or eight months just like consistently. And uh, it taught me so, so much, man. And, and even now, like it, it gets me so comfortable with... You know speaking and, and talking and, and even now like my second youtube channel i was talking about like those skills that i learned you know years ago from talking about you so uh, it, it has and it's still yeah. benefiting me you know to this day so collaborating with people is you know super important because you can get a, a lot of people together and share ideas and it can turn into something really yeah. big and that's what we did with this like sound kit that we did it was basically um myself and like a bunch of other producers I forget how many there were but there were a ton we all just we collaborated and we all made you know these sounds and and melodies and drum samples and put together in this huge like you know sound library and and we donated all to we had a few good causes we had Black Lives Matter and uh, we did another one a few months ago to help out uh, uh, the ongoing crisis in Yemen but it's like it's so powerful man when you get so many people you know sharing that many good ideas it, it just
2: It helps out good causes. It helps out everyone involved. Like it's crazy. And uh, I mean, you demoed what the what's inside of that package, and I was actually amazed by how much they were getting for a small price. What what was the price of the kit? It was like a steal. I think it was like twenty five. Like 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 twenty five dollars, and I think you I think you could like produce ten albums. You could do like endless stuff. It's it's crazy, and like as someone who knows nothing about audio editing or music producing. I was like amazed over the fact that I could put something together and it would actually sound pretty decent. It almost looked like I knew what I was doing. So to me, it was like such a value add for the market for your customers, and the funds were being poured and donated to great causes. Like it's amazing, and on top of that, you guys are working together in the community and building something amazing together. So. I love that there's like a win-win-win type concept where everybody was getting the ultimate value based on just an idea that came together.
1: Yeah, and, and like you said, like community is so important too. Cause man, I remember back when I started posting my my music and my beats online ten years ago, there was like this uh, this you know mentality in the hip hop industry that you don't share any secrets, right? Like everyone kept it themselves. If someone so, asked you, like, solid. hey. Yeah. Hey, what piano sound are you using? Like, where did you get that? Like, guitar sound. Like, you wouldn't give out like any game to people, and it's crazy to think. And now it's like, I, I've literally seen this wave the past, you know, couple of years where these new producers who have, you know, they're getting like crazy amounts of followers and views. They're so into like collaborating and giving out value and all this stuff, and it's been like really eye opening to me because I mean I like I said I was a producer for ten years in what i do i'm kind of like uh, kind of like a veteran of this right and it's interesting to see how like you know it, it was like i've seen so many people like not share anything you know don't collaborate with people don't talk to other people because that's your competition and now it's like this this shift into literally like value
2: you know just content and collaboration like it's it's crazy to see i i'm so amazed by collaborations and the doors that it open and I agree with you completely. I think the old outlook used to be that we need to focus on not giving away information, especially to people that seem like competitors. And I'm keeping that stuff in my back pocket. But I think that we need to mirror industries that think a little bit bigger than that. For example, when we put Apple and Samsung side by side, they've been competing in the cell phone market for a very long time with smartphones, back and forth, big keynote events, big releases, And at the end of the day, as as heavy as that competition is, the ones that wins are the consumers. We get the best products because they're always trying to beat each other. So to us, the market wins as a result of that healthy competition and sometimes even collaboration when they get on the same stage together. I saw that a lot in the personal development space. Like when I was heavily involved, there's a lot of people in the room that when I'm speaking on stage, there's other people that are also speaking on stage. Some might think that's a competitor. Some might say, oh, that person is trying to take away speaking gigs from me. So I'm not gonna buddy up with them or give them any tips. What I see it as is if we both deliver our best talks of all time, we're actually creating personal development change. We're actually helping the people. So I'm actually rooting for them to do their best rather than being like concerned. So I'm very friendly with the people in that space. And I brought a lot of that into the world of marketing. I think marketers and designers are creators. They're creative. And they do some incredible thing when they collaborate. And more often than not, it opens doors to like bigger things that could have been built if you guys worked together as a unit and as a community. You had a really big one with um, a collaboration with a very, very well-known apparel company called Nike. And some of you might have heard of it. It's just, you know, they're up and coming is what I hear. But I would love for you to talk a little bit about that. There's a lot of people out there that want to work with big brand names and they don't know how to get their foot in the door. They don't know what that conversation looks like when they do get reached out to by one of these companies. Can you walk me through that entire story of like how it started and where it led to?
1: Yeah, for sure. So basically letting people know what what it actually was was Nike... They used some of my beats in uh, Instagram ads in Southern America. So I actually never got to see any of these ads because they were all location based. But basically, you know, how it worked was, of course, I had my YouTube channel. I was posting content often like people were searching it up. Um, And I had a phone number like in the description of my videos that people could text or call And it's, you know, funny talking about collaboration because, you know, speaking with Daryl and and his, you know, whole thing about pick up your freaking phone inspired me to use, you know, texting and phone calls as a music producer. And, you know, keep in mind, this was still a few years ago when that mindset of a a music producer was really like, you know, everyone was keeping to themselves. Like it was hard to be in contact with a music producer because everyone was just, you know, they expect to make beats and people buy them off your site and they leave them alone. But, you know, speaking with Daryl and, and the team at Candy Box has taught me so much about uh, customer service. So uh, I got a text from some, he was a former athlete who's working at Nike and branding. And uh, he texted me, you know, he told me that he liked the beat. And since I, you know, had this texting app, I was able to reply to him quickly through text message. Like that's kind of like the whole rest of, of the the industry, you know, music producers was they just had a website for buying beats. Like You couldn't contact someone that easily so that's what eventually led to this deal was you know me (laughs) replying to this you know text
2: messages from this guy at nike and the doors were incredible with what they wanted to do i don't know if you're even allowed talking too much about what the project was but um can you comment a little bit about what the collaboration entailed that actually got your in the door with someone as big as nike yeah
1: and i think i mean it goes back to you know trying different stuff online it was uh it was some kind of like some tropical pop dance style music that they found online. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier is I started posting my beats and I was always posting hip hop beats, right? It was always like these like rap, you know, Drake, Kanye West style beats. When I I started to get a little bit creative within a little bit diverse it led to someone at nike wanting a specific style sound and it was one that i made just off of being creative back
2: to what we were just saying about viral like you put something out there didn't think anything of it you I bet you never thought when you put that one out there that hey maybe Nike will like this you just
1: no and and it was like a like months like to a year after I posted that one on like I thought it was just like you know it wasn't getting any views and
2: someone still at Nike found it by searching on YouTube and and like it it didn't even seem like something that Nike would have wanted like I I pick when I hear that one, I picture like that's what I'm jamming as we're landing in the Dominican for my vacation to start. Like it sounded like one of those beats. Maybe it was like that. I never saw the ads. (laughs) I could have been like that. They didn't. I can never see it because it was all location based. You get to see your work come into fruition and you put it down. But it's important to note that you put something out there didn't think that this is the company that's doing it because if they, if you did have that mindset you would have made it different right you would have made it more likable to what Nike's doing it just so happened that they were looking for your sound and they went back and found one of your older content for so for a lot of people that don't get that instant gratification when they put it out there it's important to know like wait it out like you never know we still get deals from candy box as well as myself from situations of things that we put up years ago Whether it's a blog article, whether it's a podcast episode, like I'm in season two of my own podcast show and I'm still getting opportunities from like episode three in season one. Like it's just crazy how backtrack people go in order to find stuff. So, uh, you know, who you are today and the stuff you put out there, even if it doesn't hit, it doesn't mean it won't hit one day. And you have to be prepared for the fact that you're always putting out your best because just because you don't have the followers or the subscribers or the listeners, maybe you're not putting in as much energy and effort in making your best quality work. Where you, on the other hand, even if you got five views on this one beat, you'd still put your best work out there.
1: Yeah, and it's it also like goes to show, I think it's so important to build up a like a whole library, like a whole catalog of stuff too. I sold a beat yesterday that I made in like 2012. Someone found it on some super outdated website that I don't even use anymore. And they emailed me and they bought the beat. And I was like, yo, I had to look on old hard drives to like oh dig this one out of, of the archives. Right. But building a catalog is so important. You know, I have a, another video on, on my YouTube channel that I posted uh, beginning of 2019. So almost two years ago, it, it didn't get like any views. And then all of a sudden in august 2019 it just started going up right and now it's like it has like you know hundreds of thousands of views it's still getting like thousands of views like a day but for those first eight months it got barely anything right and i still have people today almost two years later like commenting on it every single day it's just so i mean i guess it goes to show you like if you're not seeing any traction right now like it, it success really doesn't happen overnight, right? Right. There's a lot of work that goes into it. But if you build up, you know, a whole catalog of podcast episodes or videos or, you know, business projects like websites, whatever you do,
2: like if you're doing something consistently for years, like people are going to find that, right? You've been consistent in every way on not just growing the business, but even on the way you service your customers. And customer service is actually a very important discussion that I don't think happens enough in the world of podcasting or just in general, because maybe it's not the sexiest thing to talk about, right? Like there's a lot of different things that people wanna focus on, but it's like, what about the service? Like it doesn't matter if you're in the music industry or you're selling telecom. We know telecom is it has an infamous reputation of bad customer service. So when you're the one that's delivering exceptional service when others aren't, you have already built a competitive advantage without having to really separate yourself. Your ways of, of servicing is very interesting. Like, first of all, you have tons of followers on social media. So every time you post, you're getting so many comments. And yet I still see Amido Beats responding. Amido Beats responding. When I write a comment in like 10 seconds, I, I get like a fist emoji. You know, like, I'm like, yes. Like Tim is reading it, right? Like, you're, you're so active. And on top of that, you're proactively going to the accounts that you follow and you're engaging with that with likes and comments too. Like, you're so active in communicating. And it doesn't end there. You're talking about text messaging. You're talking about different ways that you've helped them. What is your customer service strategy that maybe a business or a marketer could apply to theirs in ways that are unique to everyone else in the industry?
1: Yeah, well, like a a big one is, you know, some people are going to find this obvious, but it's obviously being able to respond to people. I have some some rappers and singers that I work with that they're like, hey, we've been trying to buy a beat off some other producer for months and he's not replying. Like we want to give him like 500 bucks for this beat, but we can't get a hold of him. Right. So that's obviously like a huge one is just being available. But I I love having a, a, like a really personal friendly approach with people. And, you know, even on my social media, I always try and be friendly. I always try and show my personality. It's led to, you know, not only good amounts of sales and good business, but good uh, relationships with people. Right. Like I've had phone calls with people like my customers and we just, you know, talk just have conversations for like hours sometimes it's just it's so important to be like friendly with your customers because people are going to see that right and if people get to know you personally they'll they'll keep coming back to you i have an artist that i I work with you know on a monthly basis he sends me some tracks to to work on and, and improve for him and he you know follow me originally because my social media and saw my personal branding he shut all of his social media down so it's only email but he still knows you know what i'm like what i sound like how i act even my emails i think he can like picture my voice so that's why it's so important when it comes to customer service
2: and your even the way that you go over and beyond for them sometimes is really unique because in your line of work it's a little bit easier because you are also in the world of customization. If someone says, I need a custom beat, you can have that conversation with them. Um, I know that, you know, you've been assisting me in so many different ways. Like when I did my book launch event, you actually created a beat. Well, you had an existing beat, but you modified it for me. And I remember I was like in a loud lounge saying, Tim, can I call you really quickly? And yet, like, it was like, it was like 7 p.m., music's blaring in like some Middle Eastern song in the background mm-hmm. and you're listening to me and you're actually like, let me see what I can do. And within the next day, you've given me a modified version of that beat. Yeah. And you also, um, you also did that for the Candy Boss Conference last year. You created music that was, or at least put together some of your greatest hits that was actually a like one of the favorite parts of the entire conference that people just got these mellow beats that they can vibe to when they're sitting around. You know, no one, no one's really impatient when they're loving the music that they're hearing. You know, they can wait all day for the conference to start. So you're really good at that component. We had Daryl a few episodes ago talk about scheduling. And he said, if you start emailing people after the 5 p.m. operation, you're now setting the expectation that you're available after 5 p.m and that's not always a good thing you on the other hand go over and beyond where do we draw the line here like what is your perception on how available you are for your market
1: yeah no it's it's definitely tough and i know like you know daryl's whole thing and i respect that too right um but for me it's like you know i have times where it's like i'm, I'm replying to emails and it's like midnight right trying to to sell beats uh i don't I mean, there's of course times where I'm only like out and about or if I'm on vacation where I'm just taking the, the time off and i out having too much fun to reply to my phone. So, I mean, there's times where, you know, it'll take me like a day or, or two to reply or get a task done or whatever. Um, I mean, it's just about finding something that, that you're comfortable with doing, right? Like I think back to when I started, you know, making music and, and really getting into this back in... Uh, in college, on the bus ride to college, I would be replying to emails every day. You know, back in high school, I would ask. You know, middle of math class, go to the washroom, reply to rappers on my phones, right? So I mean, it's really about I guess finding the time. Yeah, working around your lifestyle, right? You just gotta find when you know you have that time available, right? If I'm out, you know, doing stuff with my family, I'm not gonna be on my phone, but uh, if I'm available, I'll reply, right? It's I guess just finding that balance and it's something that comes with you know doing this for years you just get into a habit sometimes you know doing small tasks like you know editing the one for your podcast doesn't take me too long so i'll you know do it really quick but it's also you know i think when you're doing something that you really love like it, it doesn't even mm-hmm. really seem like work it right doesn't.
2: yeah wow that's that's a t-shirt material my friend that's yeah. that's a bold line um, I, I think you p- highlighted so many important things. Like one thing is find out what works for you, yeah. right? Like our CEO talks about candy box being a nine to five operation. That doesn't mean that I don't work after 5 p.m. on my own personal brand and my own speaking and my book writing and all that stuff, because I know that that is a priority for me. So I find a way to make it work. Yeah. It doesn't mean that, either one of us was wrong. It's we found something that worked in our lifestyle this is the same way that you did. You also mentioned that earlier with the podcast. You're like, hey Mafu's like you do three episodes a week. I was doing maybe like one a week. But both worked. Yeah. Right? And we were both seeing great results and it resulted in us collaborating. And you know, when we started the Candy Cast podcast, they were asking me for advice as someone that did podcasting. They were like, Hey, how long should these episodes be? And I said, I literally don't know because you could be right in every answer. I've seen people that won with five minute episodes and I see Joe Rogan winning with three hour episodes. Like there's literally no rules in how it works is you gotta find the right thing that works for you and your audience. And I think that's what you're doing. You know, you're in your industry, there's a lot of artists that have nine to fives and they're only available to chat in the evening, yeah. right? And you have to accommodate that. Like if you're just operating in nine to five when they're probably asleep, You know, they're probably night owls for all we know. And you don't want to be the person that is giving them almost like a different time zone experience that they're only getting messages when they're asleep and they're getting no responses when they're awake. That's not good customer service. So paying attention to what works for your lifestyle and paying attention for what works for your audience, I think are two key components.
1: I think so, yeah. And, and, you know, my audience is really from all across the world. So it's important for me to at least have something in place where, uh, even if I am sleeping or if I'm away for a day or two, it still kind of can run, right? Like I have my website where people can, you know, buy the beat and they get it emailed like instantly, right? There's no waiting. So it kind of runs on its own. Even with um, like if people have a, a question, I have like a uh, like a chat bot running on my website and I've really tried to, you know, make my website as easy to understand as possible. That way I don't need to be like, you know, so like trying to help people out, right? And and even like through years of redesigning my website, I've asked, you know, you guys all at the Candy Box Studio, like, what do you think of this? Getting uh, just other people's perspective, because you want to make sure like whatever you're doing, like if you're trying to sell a product, you want to make sure it's easy for people. Like I get people sometimes who message me on Instagram. They're like, hey, I'm trying to sell beats, but I, I'm really struggling to sell my first beat. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. You know, I checked their Instagram profile. The last time they posted it was 2013. They have three posts yeah. and like there's no like link in their bottom. Like I can't even hear you. I don't even know you're a music producer, right? I don't even know where to go to buy it. So <laughs> I, I mean, would of overnight. <laughs> it's what like, well, like, do you have a website? Like, I don't even know like what you're trying to do. Right. And I think especially, you know, now, as I was saying, since, you know, the spring when I've really tried to put out a lot of content, people like any time of the day, they can go look on my Instagram and see what I'm doing. So it's been really important to me.
2: You know, when when we have people come up to us and ask us to audit their work, it's actually almost so easy to find out where the flaws are. And and like, it's no disrespect, but it's to point out the fact that we've been looking at things so many times that we just got really good at finding things that are off. I mean, let's get back to the basic, guys. Like, number one, is your social media accounts actually showing what you do? And if it doesn't, it's like, Why don't we start there? You know, why don't we actually write in the bio what you do and then post content about what you do and represent who you are? Number two, do you make it easy for someone to take action if they wanna do business for you? And this is things like, as Tim was talking about website, the automation component, which I think is very important, which means Tim's making money in his sleep because he said automation for people to be able to make purchases without Tim literally needing to be there to physically deliver a beat to them. So automation is a big part of it. Number three, customer service. What if they have a question? Are you leaving them hanging? Are you going over and beyond? Are you trying to go out of your way to actually make sure that they get what they need as a solution as well as like really enjoy the conversation? And then finally, the proactive content, the stuff that you're putting out there to show what's valuable about you what you can offer the market, and thinking of, as I said, feed the selfish, like arming the people with the content that makes them want to actually keep up with you and stay in touch and build a relationship with you over time. What you've done that's fascinating, and this is, this is kind of where I want to wrap it up because I feel like as a brand manager, it's a sin if I don't even talk about branding. Mm-hmm. I think Amido Beats is an incredible brand. I love the way the logo looks, I love rocking it. You know, it's just a great looking hoodie that even if people don't know what Amido Beats is, they still recognize that it's a good looking hoodie. But on top of that, you've done something that I think a lot of people are still struggling with, which is, do I become the brand or do I make the company and a logo or brand? And you have put yourself out there. And I think you've even made that transition over the years because once upon a time, I would never see your face on social media. Now it's all you, like physically a video of you making the beat or a photo shoot that you did that becomes your profile picture. Talk to me a little bit about how the Amido Beat brand has evolved from the very beginning to where you are now.
1: Yeah, well, like like you said, in the in the beginning, like you never saw any like pictures of myself on social media. It was just my beats. People like thought like I was like a 50 year old guy. Like people didn't know when I was starting, I was like 16. Like people were like, what? You're actually like, you look like this? Like people didn't. People didn't know I was that young because they knew nothing about me, right? And I mean, that was something that so many producers, you know, who sold beats did for the longest time. Like, and if you saw someone, it would be like, that's what that guy looks like. Like, it's just. But I remember a few years ago, I think like you and Daryl introduced me to Gary V, and his whole stance on on personal branding. It just it really opened my eyes because, I mean. Anyone can have a logo, right? Anyone can make like any producer there can make like a Drake style beat. But if you're putting your personality in it, then that sets you apart from any competition, right? Like even my new YouTube channel where I'm making video or I'm making tutorial videos about the software I use. There's millions of tutorials about the software that I use. But the difference is these are my tutorials like I'm in them. So that sets the competition like that just sets me apart from the competition right there and it's also something that uh can carry you from from social media to social media right like let's say you know tomorrow if instagram gets shut down well people are still gonna know what i look like and my personality i can kind of shift that to youtube or tiktok or something right so i mean personal branding and it even leads to customer service too like i feel like you know people know what i look like they know how i talk they know how i act it's like they know me before they actually hit that message button or that buy button like i think it's just really made people a lot comfortable with hitting me up
2: right it's it's almost like i would rather invest in the race car driver not the race car yeah. right and it's like i want to invest in amido beats because i know who tim is in the way that he produces the beats at the utmost quality but also i've seen your interviews i see you talk about the industry I i see you talk about leadership i see you deliver answers that makes people realize that, wow, he's actually creating ideas for success, not just so it sounds good like a beat and he can make millions off one song. Like you are you're, you, preach long-term, you preach quality content, you preach customer service, and those are all the reasons why someone would wanna support you because you're so forward-thinking in the industry. I think of Candy Box the same way. Daryl Kieser goes on stage, delivers an exceptional keynote. Daryl might not be the one that's doing your campaigns, But because you trust the captain of the ship, you know that the crew is going to follow and deliver that same quality. And because of that, when you get the campaign delivered from our team, it's like it matches the quality that Daryl has demonstrated on stage. So the personal brand component is really that people are now investing in the individual, not just the company, because we just know, I know when you're producing a beat for me or you're doing something for me, I know I'm in good hands. Where uh, if it was just a company out there, I don't actually know who the management team is. I don't know if it changed since last year. I don't actually know who the representative is that's dealing with me. So it's hard for me to have that same trust with the logo. And you know, frankly, it's just easier to build a relationship with a human being rather than a good-looking logo. And I think you've done a good job in bringing both out to the market.
1: Yeah, definitely, right? And I mean, there's, there's music producers out there who make the best beats in the world, like way better than my beats, way better than anything here on the radio. But you don't know them like you don't (laughs) they don't they don't have any branding at all right so if it's hard for people to actually you know know who you are and hear your music and that stuff like it's gonna be hard for you to to get traffic to make those moves right
2: awesome tim man like you are such a rock star it blows my mind keeping up with your journey over the last four or five years that you've continuously impressed me like you came in with results the day one that i met you you were already doing well you literally could have never spoke to me again and you'd still be winning in life. Mm-hmm. Yet you've given me the honor of collaborating with you, keeping up with your journey and actually seeing you build this incredible empire that's called Amido Beats. And I, I can't wait to keep up with your journey. If there's anything out there that someone that's entering the world of marketing or someone that owns a business that just wants to get to an omido Beats level in their industry, what would be one advice that you'd want to drive home for them? Um, I would
1: say like, <laughs> one advice is hard, but I guess if I was starting over trying to get to where I am today, or obviously I'd want to get past that and better than that, I would want to, I guess, you know, make sure I'm I'm playing the long-term game. You know, so many people want success overnight. So many people think that, oh, I'm just going to, you know, put some beats online, put a couple, like, products in an online store and it's going to take off and I'm going to be a millionaire. It's like, I mean, it definitely takes it's taken me you know over a decade to get to where I am right but if you you know do something like every day that you're really loving it's it's not going to seem like work it's hard to believe I've been doing this for a decade right like it's it's hard to you know uh, like think back to me grade nine in high school with my iPod touch trying to sell beats trying to message rappers on my lunch break right but that's what I did for the longest time and I mean it, it worked out 10 years later
2: you, you even tell me stories about how you used to be waiting for the bus at a bus stop and you're, you got your Fruity Loops app open and you're yeah. whipping up some songs. Like yeah, it's, I, yeah. it's amazing how long. Very quickly, in the decade, how many years did it take you before you started seeing some really real traction and success with your business?
1: Probably four to five years is when it got serious. So like half my time was
2: literally like <laughs> just learning the ropes of it. Drive home point. And I, I don't want this to be overlooked. I don't want to say it nonchalantly. He said four to five years. You know, my podcast show took about 30 something episodes before I got more than five viewers. My speaking events, I was speaking for about three years before I finally started getting paid to speak. I was speaking for free for three to five years before I got paid to speak. It takes time. If you want to be Amido Beats and it took Amito Beats four years to get there, what makes you think you're going to get there in four days? Like take the time to build that long-term. And I think I'm so glad you drove that home because the uh, as Daryl says, candy box marketing is a 12-year overnight success. Yeah. And sometimes people just need to see that. It's, it took a long time for us to get there, but we didn't give up. We paid attention to experts to understand what we needed to do. And we put a lot of energy with patients to get there. And I'm so grateful to have witness your journey to know that you're not just saying that I've literally seen you do that over the last 4 or 5 years.
1: Yeah, and like one thing I, I hear a lot of like people like especially in the, you know, YouTube community who have now like built up a name for themselves, you know, over 10, 5, 10 years whatever. A lot of people say they're like scared of blowing up overnight because if you imagine like just like it seems so cool, but imagine like you post like a podcast or a video or something and it just like takes off and that's your first one. It's like, well, what do I do there? You're not prepared for anything, right? And I feel like if you have something that's going to, you know, blow up right away and you haven't been doing it for a while, you you don't know what to follow that up with, right? Like I've seen uh youtubers who you know they post a few videos one video gets like millions of views and then they don't know what to do after that so they just kind of post their same content and the next videos gets like 300 views yeah so it's like i feel like i feel like it's almost kind of scary to blow up overnight because you just you won't be prepared for that if you're posting you know if you're doing stuff for for three years three four years you'll at least have that you'll be
2: more prepared for when that time comes right Right. and and if that window was missed you know something big happened and you didn't capitalize on that opportunity and it's gone now you know look for that next one you know there's there's going to always be another train there's always going to be another stop there's always going to be another opportunity and i think it's important to be prepared for the next one rather than mope about the last one and i'd rather have that mindset than the other tim man you're so fun to talk to like i'm i'm like energized you know, uh, uh, people don't know this, but it's worth mentioning that even like 30 minutes before we started recording, some mysterious human being walked into this studio and told me, hey, does anyone drive? And she described my car. And I was very quickly alarmed only to find out that someone reversed into the front of my car. And if our video team can do any magic, they'll show you a picture of this, this disgusting feature of seeing my baby in the hospital with a dent on her face unfortunately it got hit by another van but you put me in such a good mood just chatting with you I it actually completely slipped slipped my mind the second we talked about it but it was just a realization and a reminder to myself that I got to take care of that right after this episode so yeah no after this episode it's all the fun's gonna stop that's it no more laughs now now we get the angry Mufus that I've been holding back this whole time thanks so much for coming in where can people find you on social media or online
1: yeah I guess my my Best place is Instagram is where I'm most active. It's Omito Beats,
2: omitobeats, O-M-I-T-O-B-E-A-T-S. Um, as I mentioned at the very beginning, that YouTube plaque is on the way. So if you guys want to see that plaque, you know, maybe it's already arrived by the time this episode comes out, but check it out on Tim's Instagram because I guarantee you we're going to see the dopest photo shoot of all time when that plaque arrives. Tim, man, thank you all. Thank you for coming in and for the great advice. And I wish you continued success. Awesome, man. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Candy Cast. If you like what you've heard, make sure to hit the subscribe button for more sweet conversations. Also, continue the conversation with us on social media by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Candy Cast Club. Until next time, thanks again for listening and stay sweet.